Hello once again to the Wiki Weekdays podcast. I am your host this week, Lucas Holland, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Carl Smallwood. Hello. And, you know, the Wiki Weekdays podcast, as always, both Carl and I have brought a wiki each for us to discuss this week. And this week, we do actually have a theme, mm-hmm. and we decided last week that this week's theme would be toys. So yeah. just the general, vague idea of just, we're talking about toys of some description this week. Yes. And, and I, I was going to say, we kind of missed the trick a little bit here, Carl. Why? What What did I miss? Because we kind of missed a trick in not saying that we were going to do like some Barbie Oppenheimer podcast instead. To be fair, yeah, we could have done... Bob, would you really want to talk about a bomb that was used to kill? No. Like, to incinerate half a city's worth of people? Like, it would have been, like, maybe a fun, like, five minutes discussion on us campaigning which movie you should go see first or something to, like, stick with the memes. But, you know, it w- I don't think, it, yeah, it wouldn't have made the most fun podcast, really. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I am way more excited for that Barbie movie than I am for that Oppenheimer movie. Oh, yeah, the so only much thing about- more. The only thing for the Oppenheimer movie I care about is the fact that Christopher Nolan built a nuclear bomb. Jokes, he films everything practically. The expl- the nuclear bomb explosion scene in that movie is a practical effect. Right. Yeah. So I don't know how he did that. So it's basically, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to watch Barbie, go to the bathroom at the exact point in the Oppenheimer movie playing in the theater next door that moment happens, watch it, and then go back in and watch Barbie. Because like, I don't know about you, Carl, but I feel pretty uncomfortable with the idea of actually destroying the planet in the name of making a fucking movie. Ah, it's fine. Do you ever see that time where Christopher Nolan planted an entire field of corn? Yeah, I remember yeah. discussing that at some point, yes. But I don't think it... that quite outweighs nuking somewhere. I don't think it was actually a nuclear, but he built, like, the equivalent of a bomb to get mm. in the shot for the scene. The only shot in the film anyone gives a shit about. Of course, yeah. And, um, you know, I normally respect... The level of efforts Christopher Nolan goes to, but I don't really, you know, like the idea, as I say, of just bombing the planet for the sake of a shitty movie. Yeah, and my it, fa- it, yeah. it, I'm sure it'll be a fine movie. And well acted, yeah. No movie is worth destroying the planet for, is my point. Here's the thing, though. It, are we go- In that film, are they going to get Killian Murphy to be like, I am become death destroyer of worlds? Or are they going to get him to say what he actually said, which was fuck all? Oh, right. Because, yeah. like, Christopher Nolan's a stickler for accuracy, because people maybe don't know. It's like, it's often reported that Oppenheimer, upon witnessing the, the first nuclear test, mm. said the words, I am become death, destroyer of worlds, which is a quote from some, like, Sanskrit Hindu scripture. Mm. It turns out he never said anything. He thought that in his head, but stood there in awed, stunned silence. Yeah. Like, like you know, witnessing the, the, the destructive power he had wrought. And I love that. Have you seen the meme going round of it's like Killian Murphy like that? Of like, and I, oh, just the caption <laughs> below is they used it to do what? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, anyway, moving on to you know, some hopefully less depressing topics than bombing places. Uh, ho- hopefully, Carl, you have brought something that's a bit more exciting and you know toyetic and childlike for us to go through. Well, yes, my friend. So, like, I think we like we had the rough, like, um, uh, I you know, 
to- like criteria for today of like a toy from around the 1990s, yeah? Well, around the time we were growing up. Our, our childhood toys, yes. Yes, I scoured the length and breadth of the internet and I decided, let's talk about Beanie Babies. And do you know the reason <laughs> why we're talking about Beanie Babies today, Lucas? Um, Is it because the recent thing going around of like, here's the price speculation book of in 10 years time or something? No, it's because when I scrolled, so as always, the wikis we're reading from can be found below. I'm on the Wikipedia page for Beanie Babies. Hmm. Do you ever see also a bit at the bottom? Yeah. It has a bunch of other, like, you know, popular 90s toys and speculative markets where, um, you know, the bottom fell out. So we have Beanie Babies, Cabbage Patch Kids, Chia Pets, Pet Rocks. Tulip Mania, which was something similar happened 100 years ago. Maybe we'll cover that on another episode. And then, non-fungible tokens. Oh, God. So even Wikipedia is like, hey, do you know what else was a speculator's market that's complete and utter bullshit with no real value ascribed to it? NFTs. Because NFTs are literally, <laughs> if you Google Beanie Baby Wiki, you'll get the Wikipedia page of Beanie Babies. It says, hey, see also NFTs. Oh, God, no. Have I, you see, I've yeah. seen something um, going around, a couple of people talking about Beanie Babies recently, because it was like someone had shared images of like, here's one of those Beanie Baby collectible books of like, here's what the Beanie Babies were supposedly going to be worth in the future. And it's yeah. like, nothing, they're worth nothing. They're worth nothing, yeah. They were speculators, Matt. It was fueled entirely by speculation. We have a video on the main Fact Fiend channel, which goes into detail about how they became a speculator's market. But for a broader overview, you know, as is the case, and normally the way we do things here on Wiki Weekends, or Wiki Weekdays, just say, let's go and start from the beginning. So Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies are a line of stuffed toys, so they do still exist. Yes, yeah. And they're still made. They're just not worth hundreds of thousands of dollars anymore. Um Created by American businessman H. Ty Warner, who founded Ty Inc. in 1986. The toys are stuffed with plastic pellets or beans rather than conventional soft stuffing. Soft stuffing, not stuffed stuffing. <laughs> they come in many different forms, although they are mostly animal shapes. And here's the question Did you ever have a beanie baby? Uh, about 40. You're about 40? Okay. So yes. I didn't have any beanie babies bought for me proper, but mm-hmm. because they were so cheap, they ended up like just around the house. Right, and I remember yeah. Beanie Babies, you could get some fucking distance on them bastards. So <laughs> one of the things, like, you know, as I said, they're stuffed with like little plastic beans. Similar um, to like bean bags that you sit on. Yeah. yeah. So what me and my brothers would do is you'd sit there and say like you've got like, I don't know, a cat. You get the paws and you scrape as many of the plastic beans as you can into each of its four paws. <laughs> yeah. So it starts starfishing and then you whip it like a ninja star. And it like the centrifugal force sends out. Is it cent- No, centrifugal's in. Is, is it centripetal force out? Because someone's going to correct us on that. Let us know in the comments. Is I it fu- will not pretend like I know which one's which at the moment. Because I know that people always use those interchangeably, but either way, when you whipped them and you frisbeed them, the beans would just like stick into the corner and you could like, you could get a black eye or two out of one of those things. If you've got oh, them with yeah. like two two of the legs in each eye, that's your brother yeah. down for the count. Beanie Babies were, were as you say, they're not, they are soft toys, but they're a bit more solid when you throw them, obviously, because like, yeah, they, they have that bit of weightiness to them rather than just oh, yeah. being filled with, um, like, you know, like the normal like cotton or whatever that plushies are normally stuffed with. Mm-hmm. Have I told the story before about when I saw that, that, that Build-A-Bear 
like ruin that kid's day. Oh yeah. Should I tell that story? I'll tell that story for the podcast. Tell if you're it. a yeah, podcast yeah. listener, you don't heard me tell this story for one of the other places or platforms. You can follow me. Uh, I was in Build-A-Bear one day. It's with a friend of mine. Who was like, I think they had a new Pokemon release or something like that. Like, oh, I want to mm. look at the but the Pikachu Build-A-Bear. And if people aren't familiar with Build-A-Bear, you build your own teddy bear. And as mm. part of the process of building your own teddy bear, you can choose like what the covering is. And most importantly, to like you know my story, you can choose how fluffy your bear is inside. So you can choose the level of stuffed it gets. And before they do that, what do they do, Lucas? So well, you've presumably always... gone through the process of building a builder bear. I can't remember the exact steps, but like you pick which bear you want, and you yep. like you name it, and you get a little heart tag. There it is, yeah. And you put the heart tag so that like it's giving it life. Yeah, so and you then put they put it on the, the stuffer, and then put the stuffing in. So what you do is you put, you get a little heart and they say, that's the teddy bear. You're going to give it light. You put it in mm. and they fill it up. Because it looks like magic to a little kid, doesn't it? It's like you put it in, yeah. put it in this machine, and then just boom, it comes to life. I'm not going to lie, Carl. It's fucking magical to me. It does look, as, yeah, it's, it's really 31 cool. 31 years old, it still looks magical. It's great. So, like, I was there and there was this kid getting his bear built. And, like, as we were looking around the shop at all the different accessories for this, like, Pikachu my friend wants to get, you just see this little excitable kid, like, you know, very nervously picking up all these accessories. And they very clearly, they're attached to the bear mm-hmm. before it's even built and they are very hesitant to hand the bear over to the the, the i don't know what you call them the, the assistant the, the work i just the guy working there the, the retail worker yeah yeah the person like you know was walking around the store and picking up the accessories and stuff mm-hmm. and like it takes the, the the worker a good like minute or two to coax this empty sh- bear shell from this child and they the reassure husk. them endlessly it's like no the bear will be fine it'll be fine we're gonna make like you know he's not happy because he's got no love inside of him let's give him some love mm-hmm. and they put the bear on the little thing that blows all the stuffing into it and clearly it was this person's first day because they put it in and you see the bear just starts to fill up <laughs> and i will never forget because those things are soundproof to fuck so you just see his bears go one 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 and it just exploded in this cloud of fluff. And obviously the machine starts it's firing fluff everywhere. And all you see is this kid just like, and then just tears. The mo- And obviously the work, they don't do. Because obviously, as you said, they walk you around the store and be like, this is your bear. We're going to fill him with love. And it just it literally just detonated in front of this child. And murdered I, this bear in front of its eyes. I contend it's the funniest fucking thing I have ever seen. I have never laughed so hard. I was like, I was almost on the floor in tears, like the kid was laughing because mm-hmm. it was so funny. Obviously, I feel bad, but it's just that thing was like just the perfect. Just so you can see it in your head, Kai. Yeah, that is gone. <sighs> but you know, we're not talking about um, uh, those like shit ass like stuffed with fluff bears. We're talking about stuffed with bean bears. So created in 1993, Beanie Babies emerged as a major fad and collectible during the latter half of the 1990s. They have been cited as the world's first internet sensation. So a world's first, not one of the first, the world's first. Because I I believe they were massive on eBay. Yeah, obviously eBay must have been a up-and-coming site at the time. Around the time, yeah. It coincided. Noughties kind of time and yeah, Beanie Babies were getting big around, yeah, turn of the century, and that was just as the internet was starting to become yeah. only accessible to people as well. Like a perfect storm. Like it dovetailed with the launch and rise of eBay almost flawlessly. But we have here, they were collected not only as toys, but also as a financial investment owing to the high resale value of particular beanies. 
Which, again, was all bullshit. It was all speculation, yeah. And um, it probably won't mention it here, but a key detail about the speculator's market of Beanie Babies is that it was fueled almost entirely by one person mm-hmm. who released what like the Beanie Baby catalogue. Maybe it's the one you're talking about where they say this it, is how much it will be worth. It probably was, yeah. Like, in 10 years' time, this is how much it'll be worth. Yeah, and they had like a weekly internet newsletter, or email newsletter, say, where they would like say, here are the beanies that are like going to be worth the most soon. Make sure you snap up these beanies right now. Mm-hmm. And Lucas, would it surprise you to learn that the beanies that they said were going to be worth a lot were the ones that they just bought massive job lots of? <laughs> it's... it's- wild how crazy that is just they kept getting so lucky with it going yeah. but anyway history beanie babies were first introduced in 1993 by ty warner at the world toy fair in new york city and, and i, I would love to go with something like that that oh, sounds yeah, so really fun cool. uh, this is like justification for me at like eight years old or whatever because me and both of my older my uh, younger siblings uh, we all had some level of collection of Bean Babies. Mm-hmm. My my older sister less so, but uh, me and my younger and like we always argued of whether it was Ty or whether it was Ty. Uh, I always and pronounce I was, it Ty because it's the guy's name. But exactly, it's it's a guy's name. It's Ty. Like it's not a logo of like capital T, capital Y. It's just mm-hmm. it's Ty. Yeah, the company's Ty Warner. And I always had arguments with my sisters about that of like. No, it's not T-Y, it's Ty, and I'm just like... Some people would argue, I'm, I, I've am i always said Ty, because it's the guy's name. Like You say, see, like, the guy's name was H. Ty Warner, not T-Y Warner. Yeah, exactly, and I I will fight hands with people in the comments over this. But either way, it says here that so... Uh, Manufacturing began in 1994, and they were first sold in stores located around the Chicago area in Illinois for around $5 US a piece. Which, and like, that, no. that sounds about right because I remember when they started picking up a little bit in popularity. You could, they were like five to ten pounds over here. I d- yeah, that's what made them so collectible. Is because that's like, you why know, I had loads of them. Yeah, because yeah, they it was were just like they, cheap. There was what I like to call, or I guess what like the industry calls, pocket money toys. Mm-hmm. Well, you think something like you know a video game is not a pocket money toy. You can't buy a video game because most pocket money is like you know a couple of quid. Mm-hmm. How much pocket money did you get when you were a kid? I think I got a pound a week. Uh, yeah, my grandparents gave me like two quid a week. Yeah, so I think I got like a pound. It went up to two quid when I was a bit older. And I, like you know, but like you're not going to buy a video game with that. But you could buy a beanie baby. You save up for a couple of weeks. You could buy a beanie baby, pocket money toys. Or it's cheap enough where if we were on holiday, our parents were like, well, if you're good for the day, we'll go buy you a beanie yeah. baby. It's, like, it's they, like they wouldn't be like, oh, well, if you're good today, you can go buy a forty pound video game. Yeah, I guess the adult equivalent would be like you know, um, uh, impulse buy. Like it's, it's something where mm-hmm. the cost is low enough where you can justify to yourself spending it as a, an indulgence. And that's why I always argue with uh, certain people who get really uppity about the fact that I've got some Funko Pops. Yeah. And I'm like, so, oh, why didn't you I get just a saw like actual... a cheap figure of Scorpion for like eight quid in a store. Like, whatever. Still, yeah. Like, They'll say, why don't you get one of those like super high end ones? Like, because they cost $120 a piece. I had, a te- I had a tenner on me and I like the character and it just looks like, you know, it's a, a neat thing to put on my desk. Like, I ain't got any on my work desk because my work desk is, I tend to keep my workstation quite clear. But you've been to my house. I've got a crap yeah. ton of um, uh, collectibles. And what we might do after the break, I'd say, you know, when we take our usual like mid-point break, I'd say mm-hmm. we just go cl- grab a couple of our own collectibles to show off. Yeah, the video like, thing. people can probably see behind me like a few of my Zelda Amiibos and mm-hmm. same. I, I have like discussions with some friends at times where like, you got so many Amiibo, do you not want like a high quality figure of all these characters? I'm like, 
yeah, but that that would cost hundreds of pounds per figure. Yeah, where that entire collection of amiibos only a few hundred quid. It's just an impulse buy, isn't it? You know. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, so they sold for around five dollars a piece. Da, 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 da. Where do I get to? Oh, okay. So there were nine original Beanie Babies. I'll give you, uh, you know, twenty podcast points if you can name not the name of the thing, but guess one of the animals. So nine. I'm gonna say that one of them was probably like the very classic, almost Paddington bear kind of look of just a plain, fluffy bear. I'll give you that guess. one. They had Brownie the bear, right, um, later renamed to Cubby. But that's pretty mm-hmm. easy to guess, like a stuffed animal sour bear. Can you guess any of those yeah. animals? Um, I'll, give you three, o- I'll give you three guesses. I'm going to say octopus. Um, there's no octopus. There's no octopus. Um, I'm going to say a dog. There's a dog, so I won't give you a point for that. I'll keep going. We'll see how many you can get. Um, We've got your three lives here. Another easy guess is just cat, I guess. Um, No, there's not a cat. I know I had a squirrel quite early on. Let's have a look. So, No, there's not a squirrel. So I'll read out the list now. So you've got two. So the original nine were Legs the Frog. That's a good name for a frog, yep. in it? Legs the Frog. So you've got Legs the Frog, <laughs> Squealer the Pig, Spot the Dog, Flash the Dolphin, Splash Ooh. the Whale. I like this, though. Chocolate the Moose. <laughs> That's a good name for a moose, yep. isn't it? Patty the Platypus, Brownie the Bear, and Pinchers the Lobster. And it they says went- here that sometime, uh, some of the Pinchers were mislabeled punchers. <laughs> that reminds me of, like... Brawler from Pokemon, yeah. like the little punching crab. But which of but, those uh, is your favourite? I've, I, you know what, I kind of like Chocolate the Moose. The best name is definitely Chocolate the Moose. But Chocolate I think if moose. I was to have picked the animal out of any of those, it would be the dolphin one. I think I might got Legs the Frog. So I, I've like, I, I'm, I'm I picturing it in my head. The I did Beanie have Baby a frog. style with a little frog. It'd be kind of cool. I definitely did have a frog Beanie Baby, but again. A lot of the Beanie Babies I got were probably variations on those original ones where it's like, yeah, it wasn't they, Legs they, the Frog, it was like Frog Number 9 with a different name and different Yeah, they, and that's where, like, you know, the collectability aspect came in. They just endlessly recycled designs and um, uh, stuff like that. But we says here, though, since 1994, Beanie Babies can generally only be found in specialty stores, such as gift stores and small toy stores. That's right. not really a specialty store, is it? It sells toys. That's a toy store. <laughs> But I don't exactly, uh, I mean, I don't frequent many toy stores, but a lot of places where I see, like, collectible plushes and Funkos mm-hmm. and stuff, I don't see Beanie Babies, really. Not really anymore. I bet you did in the 90s, though. They used, oh, to, yeah, sell, they used to sell that shit everywhere. It reminds everywhere. me of, like, do you know the song Live Aid? Do they know it's Christmas? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, well, I, maybe we'll do it like, around Christmas time. We could do a wiki on that or something, because it's one of the details about the release of that CD is it was so popular, they sold it in butcher shops. Oh, like butchers hell. were buying copies of a because obviously shops got were allowed to buy it at retail price, mm-hmm. and they were like yeah. they were carrying it in butcher shops. <laughs> but it says here that so at first sales were relatively slow, and by 1995, many retailers refused to buy the bundles um, that the toys were offered in, while other retailers refused to buy Beanie Babies entirely. Around the same time, and this is where Beanie Baby, like Ty Warner, fucking genius. Mm. Thai Inc. decided to restrict quantities of Beanie Babies that would be produced and distributed. The company began limiting the number of Beanie Babies a store could buy buy per month to 36 of each character. So rather than... So they did that 
classic thing of like, oh, well, you don't, um, would you like to buy Beanie Babies? Oh, we haven't really got much space. Well, you're only allowed to buy 36. What? You can only buy 36 of each one. They're oh. too in demand. Yeah, they're too in demand. You can, that's the thing. Because obviously they weren't, but when you get told, we, we, we can only sell you 36 of each toy, you might think, fucking hell. Mm-hmm. Well, we better get on this then. If, if we're only allowed to buy a limited amount, they must be big sellers. And that's and why that's I contend the, this the guy... artificial scarcity, isn't it? Exactly. That's Ty Warner is a genius for this. Like, you know, evil and <laughs> very manipulative, but, you know, the guy's a billionaire because of mm-hmm. it. He's a billionaire off the back of these things. A beanie, if you will. And here's, like, the second thing that Ty Warner did. That's, like, just, like, mwah, marketing textbooks have been written about, like, the steps this guy took to market beanie babies. Because the second thing he did was retiring certain characters... After a significant, or after a significant or insignificant period of time, and then bringing them back as special editions later. Yeah, so that meant that the production of specific characters would eventually cease because these decisions created scarcity. They led to a significant increase in sales and start the trend of collecting and reselling Beanie Babies. Their popularity soon grew into a national craze, and it's just entirely fueled by speculation that was both consumer driven and corporation-driven. Mm-hmm. Like, a perfect storm. And do you remember, like, what, like, you know, helped the the sales, the mania, reach its fever pitch? Because they have it detailed here, and they don't have the full details of how crazy it went, but when I tell you what um, uh, collaboration they made, you'll be able to understand why. Oh, okay. So uh, what would be the way to, like, absolutely just hammer home like the popularity of these things. What would you give away a Beanie Baby with? Give away? Think, think, think you're in the 90s. McDonald's? Yes. Right, yeah. So, it, so they in 1996, they released a miniature line of Beanie Babies oh. that were sold alongside Happy Meals. And this is where you get this, I think the, the apex of the success of Beanie Babies was this, because you would have queues a mile long outside of McDonald's where people would buy like 50 Happy Meals and then throw them in the bin. Like people um, were yeah. walking up, buying the Happy Meals, dumping them all in the bin. Well, we have... To resell the Beanie Babies. Uh, uh, you know, of our lifetime that I can remember happening a few years back with the Pokemon McDonald's. Pokemon, same thing, yeah. People would go in and... and you Now think, Lucas... What do you think happened when, like, you know, people realize you're seeing stories on the news of, like, oh, Beanie Babies can be worth $10,000. They're giving away for free with McDonald's. Yeah, but only these certain storm. ones. Yeah. But what do you think, like, people did to get their hands on them? I mean, I presume they just, like, went up and down the fucking country getting as many Happy Meals as they could. But that, but also, like, you know, they started attacking McDonald's employees. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Like, people were, like, Try to attack employees like the buy fifty one special as we know yeah. it. Like buy fifty Happy Meals. Oh, I didn't get the one that I wanted. Or give me the one I want. And it's like we can't. We cannot. We put them in randomly each one. We like you know because they were sealed. And the the weird thing is as well that pe- most people don't realize is if you're clearly going and like buying a couple of Happy Meals and you've got like a kid with you and you're polite about it. I've had it multiple times where I I remember like going up and being like, oh, I already have this one. Do you mind swapping it? And they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But when it's clear, I'm buying 50 of them and I'm going to go scream at the employees for not giving me the right ones. It's like, no, fuck you. It's also as well, people are buying the food to throw it away. 
It's like the McDonald's, like, we, we legally can't sell you. It's like people asking how to buy the Beanie Babies. Like, we can't do that, which is a stupid thing to do. Like, for, for, I don't understand why. Cause when I was, like, researching the story for Fact I was like, why did, like, there must have been a manager somewhere. Because as well, there were people, like, you know, selling the black market, the Beanie mm-hmm. Baby black market. You had, like, McDonald's, like, managers opening up the boxes and selling them off on the box and getting fired and stuff. It's like, but why would you not just sell the food? I'll say, like, oh, you bought a Happy Meal. Do you want to have the Happy Meal? No, thank you. Okay. Now I, like, you know, I'll... Hey, when ch- someone comes in and can I have 20 Happy Meals and it's just like one adult on their own? And they throw them like, all straight in the are bin. Are just looking to buy the Beanie Baby toys? Yeah, okay, we can just put it through and not give you the food. But then that's... But then, then that- they legally can't because then that's, you know, not giving the product that they bought for and they can come at McDonald's and I understand yeah. that legality of it. But yeah, Imagine why how- is it... Not just an option for the same price to buy the toy, which I think you can do now. I think you can do if people collect Happy Meal toys, and you mm-hmm. can just walk into a toy. If you just say, "Can I buy one?" They'll sell them separately. Mm-hmm. It's like the same thing with like um, arcade machines and stuff. Do they have like stuffed animals? Most places, if you just go up and ask the cashier, like, "Can I just buy one of the stuffed toys?" Most of them will say yes. Mm-hmm. It's just all about asking nicely. But yeah, that was like when the Beanie Baby craze reached like its zenith. And like I said, people were fist fights. They were robbing McDonald's. They were, like, you know, people were chasing trucks with McDonald's logos on them down the highway. People were trying to break into the drive throughs and then obviously throwing food away en masse. So then you had like, you know, people coming in and just like waiting around for parents, like all these people buying 50 Happy Meals and then giving them away. So I would not have won a worked in a McDonald's at that oh. point in time. I'll say that for free. But then we say, like, yeah, moving on. Thai Inc. decided to stop producing Beanie Babies in 1999. And the reasoning for it, it says here, but due to high demand, it led them to reconsider. That's not true. The actual story is, is that um, uh, the bottom fell out of the market. Right, yeah. And people stopped having that speculator's market kind of yeah. thing. And there's an interview with Ty Warner where they ask him, like, when did you know the craze was over? And Ty Warner would um, uh, feverishly check online listings for Beanie Babies. Because he would, like, you know, obviously every time, because he'd say every time we retired or announced the retirement of a Beanie Baby, I'd go onto eBay and the price would shoot up. Mm. And he said, like, I forget which one it was, but he said there was a Beanie that had been really popular. We announced its retirement. I checked on eBay and the price didn't budge an inch. And oh. they said, that's when we realized the craze is over. So we announced that we're not going to sell any Beanie Babies anywhere anymore. And that's when everyone realized, oh, well, let's just try and sell them all. But what happens when a million hoarders all try and sell their stock at the same time? Bottom fell out the market. Yeah. Because obviously the the only reason that the prices were driven up so high is because there were so many people hoarding a bunch. Exactly. Yeah. They could get a, a good price for them. And the pro- and that's why, like as Ty Warner would later say, like when he noticed the price didn't go up, that led to everyone trying to get rid of their stock because obviously, oh shit, the, the bottoms fell out. Let's get rid of what we've got. It's like you know, uh, uh, stuff like that is essentially a physical stock market. Yeah, and that's if you've it. invested a bunch of money in these Beanie Babies, and all of a sudden you see that people aren't buying them at like that value anymore, you have to sell as quickly as possible to keep. As much of your investment as you can. Yeah, it's why I say like one of the most, not the most depressing, but it's a very depressing like mini documentary you can find on YouTube if you're interested. Of this guy who's like filming his house and his parents bought Beanie Babies. They were all in. Mm-hmm. 
mm. and he's just walking around his house and there's like you know like brand new with the tags on beanie babies covering every wall yeah and his parents are like fifteen thousand dollars worth that they're insistent is going to like you know pay for his retirement or his college and he's just filming the house of like yeah wall to wall it ruined my parents lives yeah and i will clarify for anyone that thinks when i mentioned earlier that i had quite a few as a kid like we were not buying them to to for that sake it was like we never put the plastic tags on the name tags or anything Mm -hmm. it was to have them to just play with and to cuddle and use as plushies like they were were, they were cute they were they were adorable yeah Hmm. like for for me and my sisters it was just these are just cute little like colorful animals for all stuff it's the same thing like pokemon cards of like i collect pokemon cards i've still got like a few knocking about my house like i like the Mm -hmm. artwork on them yeah. You know, because some of that, you know, original watercolor Sugamori art is really nice. And, like, you know, to get an original art print would be quite expensive, but you can get a pack of Pokemon cards for seven quid. Mm-hmm. Well, either way, so it's, um, uh, speaking of the tag, Lucas, the design of Beanie Babies, they are deliberately understuffed, which initially led to criticism that they made the toys look cheap. However, it set them apart from most stuffed animals on the market, which could not be posed easily. So if you have a stuffed bear, stuffed bear just sits in the position that the bear's in. Beanie Babies, like I said, you can turn that shit into a ninja star. <laughs> yeah, they were more fun you? to play with. Yeah, because like you know, you could pose them, you could play with them like dolls, or you could like pose them on your bed like a stuffed animal. Mm-hmm. Like they were a very, a very like tactile toy. Yeah. Like, you mentioned the word toyetic earlier. People don't know the term toyetic. It's this marketing term used when describing toys of like how much fun does it elicit when you play like does it have that like nice tactile feedback when you like play like a transformers toy do it's got like the clickety clack stuff like that Mm, it's like how much does it you know capture the attention the eye of someone who's looking to put like you know to play with it yeah it's just like kind of nebulous term for like how does this feel as a toy to play with and exist with yeah it's like a deliberately vague term used to describe like just does something feel like a toy what do you mean is it was it toyetic anyway Another important design element is the tag. Since the beginning, Beanie Babies have included two tags for identification, a heart-shaped swing tag at the bottom and a fabric tush tag at the bottom. Both tags have been redesigned over time, and that led to, obviously, redesigns led to resale markets. It led to rarity, um, uh, like some artificial, some deliberate, and, and some accidental because some tags were just misprinted, which, of course... And we led to further speculatory um, uh, market action. I'm fairly certain, if I'm not wrong in my head, I'm like, I vaguely remember when it was the year 2000, they all had like TY2000 with like a sparkly 2000 yeah. on them. They tried to relaunch them in 2000. And it's like they've mm. never managed to recapture that thing. But to the credit of Ty, they never sold them for more than $5. So what do you mean I said? Like they deliberately undersell. They never did that dickhead thing you know a company that knows its product is in demand could do of doubling mm. the price. They always sold them for the same price, but what Ty would do, which is very clever, is that, say, for example, you've got like um, you've got a million of the, the frog and a million of the moose. Mm. What they do is they send like 10,000 of the moose to one store and then the other 900,000 and 999,000 to the other end of the country. So the yeah. people in this side of the country, and like, you know, conversely with the, the frog. So the people in that one, oh, we've got a shit ton of frogs, but none of these moose. The moose must be rare. Conversely, other end of the country, wow, we've got all these frogs, but only a couple of moose. The moose must be rare. 
yeah. they just now imagine that on like a mass scale across stores across America and sometimes within the same market of just like deliberately under and overselling certain ones to fuel speculation and putting people's minds like so you walk into a store and you see like you know a hundred of one and only like ten of another you think well that must be rare right mm-hmm. there's only ten of this one not realizing and you go and, oh, oh that one that one's like well you know if you go on holiday like, oh I've not seen that one thing, where yeah. we are like let's grab this while we can and that was another thing that they would do as well is they would sometimes sell exclusive beanies in other markets and there was a mini documentary about this where people would travel in the, they get a plane mm-hmm. to the UK go to the gift shop in the airport buy a shit ton of beanie babies and fly back could you be arsed? <laughs> hey, mate, if that's the thing, imagine now though, you're thinking that you're going to pay for your kids' college tuition with these things. And some people did. You, some yeah. people made out like fucking bandits off these things. I'm sure they did. And like you mentioned earlier, it's like even stuff like NFTs, which we joke about all the time, that if there are people who are very clever about it, even in like a failing speculators market, there's a lot of speculators out there to take advantage of. Yeah, and like you know, um, some people make up like bandit. And I said, Ty, sorry, as evil as they were, as bad as they were, to their credit, they never, like you know, jacked up the price of them. They did the sh- like the shady shit I just mentioned, but mm-hmm. they always sold them for five dollars. And if they you, did if, create. If you went like, out and bought five hundred of them, that's on you. Yeah, they did create like jumbo ones that cost more and stuff. But yeah, and the uh, mini ones which cost less mm-hmm. for kids who only like pocket money toys. We have here, speaking of which, collectability. So Beanie Babies began to emerge as a collectible in the late um, uh, 90s, around 1995. became a hot toy, which is its own blue um, uh, words. So I love as well when we do like, you know, a, uh, a wiki weekend. And I see that could be another wiki because mm-hmm. hot toy yeah. is its own blue thing. I want my covering like um, uh, a list of fad toys, maybe. But the yeah, company's yeah. strategy of deliberate scarcity, producing each new design limited quantity, restricting individual store shipments to limited numbers of each design, and regularly retiring designs created a huge secondary market for the toys and only served to increase their popularity and value as a collectible. The company would systematically retire, and it says that in big air quotes, various designs, and many people assume that all retired designs would rise in value the way that early retirees had. So classic speculatory market stuff here of like oh t- original star wars toys are worth a fortune now mm-hmm. so clearly all the stuff of the prequel trilogy is going to be worth a fortune as well ignoring the fact that well the reason they're valuable so much is because there was only like a hundred thousand of these things made and people opened and played with them it's like and same thing with comic books people, isn't it like, weren't many uh, yeah over time because people have learned like oh well these old toys they got valuable over time etc these this this Pokemon trading card got really expensive over time, like the Charizard one did. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that means that the more people learn that lesson, the more people that are buying them to keep in mint condition. So that means that mint condition ones in the future won't be as rare. Yeah, like, it completely ignores the reason. Like Pokemon cards, you mentioned that. People probably have the stories about Gen 1 Pokemon cards being worth a lot of money. It's like, mm-hmm. why? There was bloody millions of the things made. Like, yeah, there was. But they were played with as well. So there's mm-hmm. while there are millions out there, ones in tip-top condition are, like, you know, way, way rarer. It's not like we had people on TV unboxing them and putting them straight into seals and telling us that they was, were going to be really valuable in time. It was just go and play with them. Go yeah, and wrap an Alazi band around them 
and go and take him into school, put him in your bag, get knocked about, get him no all doggy or anything, yeah. get him sun damage, keep him in like you know your stacker box under your bed, and that's the thing as well. And if they had done that, and millions of people would have taken that advice, they wouldn't be worth what it is today. So you know, mm. it's a, uh, it's a, like it's an aerobarus of um, uh, like bollocks. Anyway, he yeah. says here that <laughs> I don't know any way to describe it than an aerobarus of absolute like horse shit. So, um, the systematic retirement of various designs, yet the craze lasted through to 1999. So, it didn't even make it to the end of the 90s, mate. Mm. Um, and slow decline after the Thai company um, uh, announced that they would no longer be making Beanie Babies and made a bear called The End. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the final bear. The End. That's like the fucking anime villain comes in. Just the end. The end. The, oh, man, the legendary sniper end bear coming in. Sometime, and how funny uh, is it knowing that Beanie Babies are still being made now? Well, that in 99, they made a bear called The End. Well, Lucas, it's like, after some time, the company asked for a pu- like asked the public in a vote whether the product should continue. I'd have been like, like, no, you already released The End. That, but, that's got to be it now. But that's the thing, isn't it? Like, that's obviously a marketing strategy of like, oh, we're not going to sell Beanie Babies anymore. So they you, say as the factory continues to produce new Beanie Babies. Yeah, at its height in popularity, people could flip Beanie Babies for as much as tenfold on eBay. Indeed, at the height of the Beanie Baby mania, Beanie Babies made up 10% of eBay sales. Ooh. 10% of all sales on eBay were Beanie Babies. Some Think about collect- that now. Something being 10% of eBay nowadays. That yeah. would be insanity. Ridiculous, yeah. Some collectors were able to insure their purchase for thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. And then we have, just for anyone curious about how a speculator's market would occur, following our key factors that contributed to the collectible nature of Beanie Babies. So unique creative elements. So each product is in a unique birthday and poem that was printed on a tag. Supply yeah. and demand. Very basic business stuff. Availability. As we've discussed, new releases slash retirements that happen several times a year. So they were on it. And so it says it. I want to just double check because, yeah, I, there's so many Beanie Babies. There must be a Beanie Baby for each of our birthdays. There probably is, yeah. But it says here that Warner, because this is what I think is makes it so genius, that the company not only, like, as I said, they never jacked up the price, but they very closely followed the trend. Mm-hmm. And were like, you know, they were on the ball when it came to recognizing when the trend was at its peak, but also when it was on its decline. So Warner was keenly aware that the Beanie Baby bubble could burst and eventually started requiring retailers who sold Beanie Babies to stock other products lines by his company if they wished to continue selling beanies. And again, uh, okay. this guy is a fucking genius. Like he, like in business textbooks, they have chapters on this guy. Because like, like the like, only way you're allowed to get Beanie Babies is by buying other products as well now. And obviously, the com- like the toy stores don't know. It's like, shit, people are still buying these things en masse. Yeah, of course. You can imagine being a toy store saying, no, we don't want to stop Beanie Babies. Of course, mm-hmm. we'll stock your other stuff. But doing this ensured that after the uh, lines of Beanie Babies did not sell as well, the company was able to stay afloat after the fad ended because of like you know, these additional sales and become successful in their own right. And it continues to this day. And as mentioned, Ty Warner is a multi-billionaire. And I think the final thing to note is that counterfeit Beanie Babies, which surfaced around 1997, and they were widely available and uh, commonly found at discount prices, even lower than the admittedly quite low price of Beanie Babies, like, you know, contrary to like, you know, how popular they were. And... Mm-hmm. 
authorities did crack down on counterfeit Beanie Babies um, throughout the 90s. People were prosecuted for their involvement in the commerce of counterfeit beanies. For example, in 1998, the UK authorities seized and destroyed more than 6,000 counterfeit princesses and Britannias. And the princess and Britannias were a super rare bear made in honour of... Do you want to guess, Lucas? Um, was it like the one of the Jubilees? It was made in honour of Diana, Princess of Wales. Oh, yeah, of course. But, Lucas, I said it got released in 1997. So do you want to guess why this became a collectible? Was it released before the death of Lady Di? Yes. It was released oh. in honour of her before she died, and then she died. Oh. And then they stopped producing it, and this was at the height of the Beanie Baby craze. So what do you think happened to that Beanie Baby? Obviously, that shot up in value. It's the, it, I think it's one of the few ones that's actually still valuable now because of the notoriety around it. Yeah. Not to mention, like, you know, it's got a very easily tracked history of they made it, she died, they stopped making it, everyone who had one didn't sell it. Yeah, because I was trying to remember what year she died. I thought that might have been, like, oh, they they made it as, like, a commemorative Beanie Baby after she passed away. No, no, no. no I, it's I, like... Imagine the balls to do that, though. I mean, like, that would be Princess Diana. thing to do. That would be, but, like, it wouldn't surprise me if people tried... I don't know... How many companies tried to jump on, like you know, the death of a royal to sell things? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how that works, but it wouldn't surprise me. A lot of people made money off the Queen dying, for example. I know that, oh, that yeah. was less of like a tragic accident, and it was just that she was old. But still, yeah, yeah. But that was the one for the Beanie Babies of like, yeah, that that's the one to this day that remains quite valuable because that was produced in very limited quantities. Of course, yeah. And obviously, like, you know, just the notoriety of they made it and she fucking died. But that, Lucas, is Beanie Babies. Well, just to end things, Carl, I wanted to uh, check what Beanie Babies were like associated with us via birthdays. Okay, is there a place to check that? Uh, there is Beanie Babies on Beaniepedia. There's Beaniepedia, okay. So, in uh, which case then, uh, I guess post this link in the, um, uh, the, the description as well. Because I'd be curious, like, hey, folks, oh, you want to know? What your beanie birthday is, let us know. Mm-hmm. So, so, yours is second of Feb, right? Oh, I'm actually kind of touched that you remember second of the yeah. second. I, I know yours is in February, right? No, January. No, that's six. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing: my birthday, Lucas's birthday, Brad's birthday, Nisha's birthday, and three of our close friends all have birthdays in the last week of of January or the first week of February. It's like the, there's like a solid two week period where there's like so many birthdays. I, I know at least ten people's birthday happen in that space. Yeah, we used to all just basically be like, "What's one day in this solid like two week period that we're going to just celebrate all of our birthdays in one big go?" Yeah, and just go on a massive night out. And I'm just going to point but, out that my birthday is the second of a second, so my, I'm going to say mine's probably a bit easier to remember. And Carl, there are many. Um, okay, I did find one that isn't actually um, the same thing, but can you guess what most of the Beanie Babies for your birthday are? What, Aquarius and Pisces? Right, it's like, you know, in February, so I'm going to no, guess. I mean, like, an animal that would be for your specific birthday. Well, so I'm thinking, like, you know, Aquarius is what I am, so I'm getting water-themed. Crap. Well, what day is your birthday, Carl? Oh, it's Groundhog Day, duh. So is it so a So a bunch of them are just groundhogs. Hey, go on, give me a name. What's the groundhog? Uh, well, one of them at the bottom was um, 
just called Big Apple the Bear in 2004. You know what? I'm all right. I'm all right with Big Apple the Bear. <laughs> but there's a there's a bunch of different Groundhog variations that they must release. Hell, God damn it. Um, oh, I always I forget mean, my birthday's on Groundhog one, Day. Uh, Puxatawney Phil, 2009, The Groundhog Chamber of Commerce. Oh, yeah, I think that's like uh, a, a is, thing. Is that, the, is that like the, the town where that Groundhog, Groundhog Day, Day set, came yeah. from? Puxatawney Phil, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay, just going down. It's like, yeah, just Puxatawney Phil, just different variations of that. Puxatawney Phil, the Groundhog. Um, so that the, I should have seen that one come in. but uh, Yeah, Groundhog Day. I wonder what the first one released with your birthday was. Um, it's a proper ball away doing that. I mean, it's like, now imagine if you're a kid, it's like, oh, this beanie baby was born on the same day as you. What I, a great birthday present. Yeah, I always remember trying to like look for the birthday that shared exactly. my birthday. That's the thing. Imagine now, now every store you go into, kids are going to be looking for their beanie babies. It's like I said, Ty Warner is a genius. So the first one that I can see release date-wise was 2001 with your birthday. And that was Romance the Bear. Romance the Bear. A Valentine's Day-themed one. And you would think, like, surely they just put it on Valentine's Day, but yeah. Um, then the first one that I found released with my birthday, I think I owned this one. This looks like the one I owned, called okay. Nuts the Squirrel. Nuts the Squirrel, and that's born Nuts on... Nuts the Squirrel. Uh, 21st of January. The 21st of January, yeah. released in 97. I won't remember when that is. I'm really sorry. I'm no, really bad. Fine. I'm so bad with birthdays. I'm awful with birthdays i'm never offended when people forget them because like i i always always forget people's birthdays i'm never offended it's, it just so happens yours is easy to remember because it's just like groundhog day isn't it's it? it's groundhog so. day and it's two two it's very easy to remember like the second day of the second month mm-hmm. two number two but yeah i just thought that'd be fun to like check what our beanie babies are yeah my beanie baby birthday is uh, nuts the squirrel no, Puck's no, Tony Phil. You're Nuts the Squirrel. Nuts, I'm Nuts the I Squirrel. I can't be Nuts. Yo, I, I you get the Romance frog. the Bear. I want Legs the Frog, man. <laughs> I'll punch you the lobster. What the fuck that was called? I'll punch you the lobster. But yes, uh, that is the uh, the wiki entry on Beanie Babies. And we forgot to mention at the start of uh, this episode of Wiki Weekdays that uh, we'd like you folks at home to vote on which wiki you thought won this week. So which wiki... One this week. Let us know in the comments which of the wikis we're covering today you prefer. Obviously, after you've listened to Lucas's, but before that, of course, we have some housekeeping to do. Yes, uh, we just have some general housekeeping. Nothing, anything really like special. But yes, um, as usual, just if you would like to contact us to put something special in this midpoint break, then you can contact us at wikiweekends at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. and that will just be in the description of this video, and it's on the. Um, about section of the the YouTube page and stuff, but yes, if you would like to find a way to collaborate with us and put a little mention of whatever you'd like in the middle of the podcast, and oh, just tell us about your beanie babies. There. If you'd like to let us know what your your beanie baby is, hey, I'd say, if someone's got that beanie baby with my birthday, let us know. <laughs> if you've got that, let us know. If you want to, I'll buy it off you. That like market value five dollars. I'll mm-hmm. do that. Um. And yeah, just other than that, I guess, go check me and Carl out on uh, Twitch. Give us a follow. Have you got anything specific on Twitch you'd like to shout out that you're doing? Mate, every week. Every week, Metal Gear Rising. Mm. Metal Gear I Rising know. Revengeance. Play but every maybe Friday. The people at, maybe Couple the people at home don't know. Good laugh. It's good so laugh. Carl beats uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. He beats down Senator Armstrong every single Friday. I'll stop doing it if it stops being hype, mate. 
Yeah, exactly. And personally, at the moment, um, for probably the next couple of weeks, I'm continuing doing a Resident Evil 4 remake knife-only challenge on my Monday nights on Twitch. Just nothing says, like, master of the combat knife, like, what's Roberto in his way across the stage? Just stabbing Salazar in the face 20 times for him to insta-kill me once again. I still can't believe you pulled that off. <laughs> I still can't believe you stabbed Salazar Slytherin to death with a knife. <laughs> Legend. It was a, it was a fun challenge, but yeah, we still got the island to do, so it'll probably be another stream or two of that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, go give us a follow over there and show us some love. But for you know our little break here, we'll go find some toys to yes. show off before we get into my wiki entry in a minute. No problem. So yes, uh, th- thanks for listening to the first half, folks. We'll be back again in a few minutes. But I'm yeah, I'm going to go f- scour my house now for what dumb collectibles <laughs> do I have that I want to show off. So back in a minute. Oh, yeah. Well then, we are back. And Carl, I think that means that you've found maybe something for you to show off in yeah. your little break. So uh, obviously as a kid, I, I collected the usual. I had Pokemon cards, I had Yu-Gi-Oh cards, still got quite a few. I've, oddly enough, I've got a bunch of magic cards I've never used because a mutual I friend remember, of ours yeah. had to get rid of them all when his girlfriend said so. So I've got like 15 magic decks I've never used. But when it comes to collecting stuff now as an adult, I like to collect two types of things. Things that I had as a kid that I either had to like, you know, get rid of or sell that I'd like to reown again. So in that vein, I have stuff like this. Like, so I've got like Wu-Tang Taste the Pain on PS1. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I have a bunch of like, you're the same as me, I imagine. You've got a bunch of like old school video games. Some yeah, obscure, some not. you can see not. some of them behind me. You can, I think there's like... 360 games there and PS2 up there or something. Yeah, so I've like some, some of them are like just more the nostalgia. Like Wu Tang Taste the Pain is probably worth a little bit of money because it has like some notoriety about it, which is a game I had as a kid. I had to get rid of when we sold our PlayStation to get a PS2 and bought again because, like, you know, I like it. I want to continue owning it. In the same yes. vein, I've got like a bunch of old games like that. But and then the other criteria things I like to collect is just things that I think are weird enough that no one else I'll meet will have them. Mm-hmm. So in that vein, I've got a bunch of like just stuff from foreign countries that like has no real value and you can't buy. But I've got things like sand from the Dubai desert, uh, yeah. like, you know, um, uh, like a pair of shoes that I wore on the Great Wall of China. I've got them still knocking about somewhere. Cause like, yeah, who, who else has got a pair of like Converse that went to China, for example? Like, you know, they mm-hmm. built them, made them there, shits them over here and I took them back. <laughs> Other things like, you know, just stuff that, again, that's unique. So I've got, I don't collect watches. I'm not into like horology or anything like No watches would be things we collect. But I did, I, I do have an officially branded Freezer Swatch watch, which I just thought was cool. I saw it like, you know, just, and I got a matching one for my friend. It's a Goku one. Oh, nice. And I'm like the best man at his wedding. So I've said, when when you get married, if you're not wearing your Goku watch, and I'm not wearing my freezer watch, <laughs> and we're not fist bumping when you go down the aisle, you've got another thing coming, mate. So just like, you know, little things like that of like clothing-wise, I don't generally give too much of a shit about clothing. But mm-hmm. when it's something silly, like, you know, I've got my, my dinosaur shirt. That's a shirt made from a bedspread for a kid. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's little okay. things like that of like, you know, I like to express myself through my clothing choices. And that's like mm-hmm. one of the examples of that. And um, question, have you worn the freezer swatch watch? Yeah, I, I wear it like, you know, when I go out. It's just not often that I, I don't like the feel of jewellery on me. So, so it's more say, I don't often see you wearing like jewellery or watches or anything mm. like that. It's more like, you know, it's, I like to have it. It's like it's, you'd mm-hmm. ask anyone yep. who owns like watches, like they actually collect proper nice watches, which, you know, it's a nice it's a swatch watch. Swatch yeah, is a yeah. good brand, Swiss watch. 
Yeah. Like, it's solid. It's a really good timepiece, but it's not like a fucking like Omega. No, that, that's, you know, swatches on like the lower end of watches designer brands wise, mm-hmm. but like it's still a, a, a good quality watch, as yeah. you say. But you ask anyone who actually collects watches, like how often do you wear one? So, no, I buy it because I like to appreciate it for its aesthetic quality. Or some people buy them, as we mentioned, speculators' markets. Yeah, and uh, for anyone curious, like horology, like not maybe that. To be fair, this might be worth a bit someday. Might be. It, yeah. it was part of a limited run, and like you know, mm-hmm. it's a popular brand combined with another popular brand. But um, watches are very good at keeping their quality. Oh, not the quality. They're very good at keeping their value. Yeah. I have a friend who collects watches. He's got like an Omega, and like he's got a couple of the really expensive ones. Like, I think he basically spent his student loan on one and we all called him an idiot when he spent like five grand of his student loan on a watch until three years later he sold it for 15 grand mm-hmm. and then bought another one so yeah, yeah if, you, if you know what you're doing like they're a very good investment because they hold their value very very well but it's also they hold their value while still being something you can use like you can still wear a watch yeah. and sell it you can't drive around a fancy car and mm-hmm. sell it for like more than you got it for but the other thing I do yeah. is like the other thing I collect is things I wanted to have as a kid. Now I've got a bit of disposable income as an adult. It's like fuck it, I want it. So, for example, I've got you. this, which is a coffee table book, and it is the Final Fantasy Ultimania Archive. And it's I've got the full collection. I've got a bunch of coffee table books. I love coffee table books because mm-hmm. um, I fucking love like the Iwano art that's in there. Just, that's not probably not a great example of it, but it's like just design <laughs> dockets for all of the original games. Nice. Yeah. And just things like that I adore. Because obviously Fact Fiend, love learning facts. But yeah, I've got a shit ton of coffee table books. And the one that is missing that I want, and if anyone out there has it and they're willing to part with it for less than £400, which is how much it goes for on the second-hand market, contact me. I will buy it off you. It's the Yoji Shinkawa Metal Gear art book. They have never re-released that for sale, and I want it. I'm hoping... That with the release of that new Metal Gear like Ultimate Collection, which has the digital version, it might make the one go down because people might like get the digital version and sell their physical copy. I want the physical version. Mm. If anyone out there has that, yeah. the Yoji Shinkawa Art of Metal Gear book, and you're willing to part with it, I will buy it from you because it only ever goes for sale very rarely, and then it goes like I said, four or five hundred pounds. And this tiny fly has been annoying me all. Podcast. There's been a lot of flies yeah, but I love all stuff like that. So I've got a bunch that I've got one. like. The making of books I've got like um, on like cool. movies that I like and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. but obviously I'm as a kid, so... I couldn't afford one of those. But now I can as an adult. Yeah, fuck yeah. Oh yeah, I want a 100%. book about this fucking awesome art from a series I adore. And it's like it's, I'm curious to know whether <laughs> stuff like that yeah increases or decreases the value of like the physical book where you get like digital versions. As you say, the the master collection uh, volume one, I think it's mm-hmm. called of like the. Meta Gear Solid Games 1 to 3 is coming out soon. I am that. curious about that myself as well, because I know that happened with, is it that Trombon game? That was like worth like 300 quid on the like, aftermarket, but then they released it digitally on like PlayStation Plus, and the market oh. shot down by like 90%, because now it's no longer the only way to play it. Interesting. I might look at getting that then, because that was one of the games that back in the day I looked at buying a copy of, because as you say, like getting some old PlayStation or N64 or whatever, GameCube games that like, I sold while I was a poor student. Like mm-hmm. the the Obviously, I sold them as a poor student and I sold the ones that had held some value. But generally speaking, most of those have 
not just held their value, they've gone up in value even yeah. more since then. And it's very rare something like that does, especially like something technology-based. Like technology so rarely goes up in value. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've just bought a couple of maybe more common things. Of like, I don't... But you I still really like this thing, yeah. You like them, like, though, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really have like toys as such. A lot you, of the you've toys saved are kind of, from a bunch of. I can see all them toys behind like, you. I have like a lot of collectible stuff, but I don't necessarily have like toys in what we might think of the traditional sense. Like, I got rid of my Power Rangers toys and stuff like that. Like, you I don't monster. have any big action figure. Like, it, I don't really know with Power Rangers stuff specifically whether it was me or my parents that got rid of it. I bet um, it'd still be worth money if you had the box. I definitely, I never kept the boxes for anything. No one ever did. Those boxes got shredded open the moment I got my hands on them. But you know, I've just brought a couple of things like that I mentioned earlier. Of like, I wanted to show off one of my amiibos. This one of my favorite. Captain Falcon with big fucking dick. Show off the camera. Early on with amiibos, um, the Super Smash Bros. amiibos were all based off the poses that they have for their like in-game artwork yeah which meant that a lot of them like captain falcon the only part of his artwork that's touching the floor is this tiny bit of tiptoe so that means that they just have these giant sticks down the middle of them and i like some of them were yellow as well so they just looked like pea sticks the worst bit is though that they weren't on like when they announced the release it's like oh yeah the captain falcon amiibo they never put that plastic stick on the the promotional work yeah yeah and it's like the fat's on the cat's phone. Like, it's just on his dick. He just looks yeah, like it's yeah. Like, it's just on his. It looks so bad. Obviously, right it's like, up into up into the anus. How much yeah. would it cost to get a Captain Falcon amiibo? Like, no one's going to be selling a Captain Falcon figure. Yeah, for like, anything less than do they pounds. sell all their Captain Falcon figures? And if they do, are they cheap? No, no. they're not. That cost me like a tenner at the time. And it's like you know, it's funny as well. It's on your shelf. It's just like, oh yeah, Captain Falcon's got a big plastic dick. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> and then I also mentioned. Um, you know, Pokemon cards, and more specifically, the McDonald's rush that there was a few years ago. So you still got one and of those. I, I never went. However, one day, uh, a couple of our friends came around, and they had, like, stacks of spares. And were like, do you want a bunch of these McDonald's Pokemon cards? Like, they were just trying to get a full set. And then, had, because they'd gone around trying to buy a bunch of Happy Meals, had a bunch of spares. So, like, ah. I've got a couple of them. Um, I've got more than this, but... These two I like, and I've put in um, the like little display things that they come with. Mm-hmm. So I'll try and cover my face to get the camera to show them a bit better. So you got the Piplup like and the Pikachu. A shiny Piplup and a Pikachu, and I just thought I'd put them in like little card displays that McDonald's provided. I'm like, they're pretty cute ones to have on your shelf, and I, I say I've got like maybe half of the collection of the non-Chinese, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, they, they just wanted a full set, and obviously you get a lot of spares as you go around and pick them up. And then also with my Pokemon cards, I've still got my old school yeah. Pokemon card holster. And like, you you know, you, you push down on here and a little card or apparently multiple cards pop out because they weren't built great. The thing is that I want to get one of those. I want to keep some condoms in it. So next time I bring <laughs> a girl, yeah. so next time I bring a Just, girl over, go, yeah. don't worry. Ba-dum! Pop out like the an Mew. original Mew, like the promo Mew that was from the first movie, for example. Like I got rid of most of my old school Pokemon cards for the. I kind of checked out the value, and most of them were worth pennies. Mm-hmm. And I don't have, you know, like the, the Charizard or anything, and they're all just in here. Like they're not in sleeves or anything because they were just as used as a kid, and they were never 
in fantastic condition anyway. But, like, yeah, they, they mean fine. something to you, though. Um, and they, they, yeah, they just mean something to me. But yeah, like you know, I've got a couple of those promo ones from the movies and stuff in there, and that, and just a few ones I, I still liked. Do you ever think about putting your ID in it for a night out? <laughs> it's like, hey, have you got any ID, mate? <laughs> it's like I, said, I want to get that. I'll put like um, uh, Johnny's in it for if we bring a girl over. <laughs> so next to my bed and go. Oh, you got protection. Da-dum! That's the real test, isn't it? Of like, if they walk out, then they were never the one anyway. Mate, I've got dinosaur bedding and a picture of Robocop above my bed. If I've got them into the bed, <laughs> I'm already asking. Nothing's going to put them off at that point. Oh, dear. And I guess there's no real way to seg that, segue that into what I've brought for this week, but we should get on to my wiki entry. Yes, yeah, so what's your wiki this week, Manfred? So the toy that I want to talk about, and I'm talking specifically about the toy Mm -hmm. and not um, anything affiliated with it, uh, you'll understand what I say. And I know we both enjoyed these back in the day, but I wanted to talk about Beyblades. Oh, yeah, the Beyblades! Okay. Not the anime. Not the anime. We'll talk about the anime, like, I'm sure, during the discussion, but this is about... The Beyblade line of high-performance spinning-top toys originally developed and manufactured by Takara and Hasbro starting in 1999. So just as as Beanie Babies were dropping off, the Beyblades came in. Was there ever a Beanie Baby Beyblade? (laughs) I don't think so. They could have called it the Beanie Beyblade. The Beanie Blade. The Beanie Beyblade. That's what I want. The Beanie Blade. I'm going for that. So, you know what? Instead of like, screw which wiki won this week, which pun's better? <laughs> which pun won Beanie this Bay week? Beanie Beyblade or Beanie Blade? The Beanie Blade. I'm, I'm going for that. But yes. Um, so, yeah, just I guess before we start, like, what is your history with Beyblades, Carl? Mate, I love Beyblades so much. But unlike Beanie Babies, which were relatively affordable, Beyblades sold for like 10, 12, 15 pounds, some of them. So Some I of them, to, yeah. I had to make do with the knockoff version of Beyblades, which oh, ended up okay. being better than the official ones because the official ones were way too fancy. Now, they had all like, you know they had all the cool plastic shit on, and they had like the little coin mm. you put on top, but that just made them more flimsy. The one that it I did. bought for a fiver that I just took to my like dad's shed and duct taped together and put like <laughs> five extra washing like washers on to add to the weight was fucking unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Just I remember the wall. We, we would do, you know, baby battles in school on, like, not in an arena or anything, just fuck it on the pavement, like, yeah. street Beyblades. That's, re- just be like- That's real Beyblade. <laughs> That's real Beyblade, mate. And um, there would always be that one kid that comes in with, like, this clearly just Ill- completely illegal, modified, just metal Beyblade, basically just like half of it was just a giant chunk of metal on it or something. Yeah, but that's the thing though, that always beat the kid who had the official one. Because the official of one, course, would, yeah. it was, they were too flimsy. It would stick to the rules of the tour, yeah. yeah. Whereas, fuck it, the knockoffs didn't need to stick to official rules. Well, that's the official ones were flimsier than the fake ones because they had all the extra extraneous bullshit on. So they felt, because they were designed to fall apart like they did on the show to show who won. But because of that, it meant that they would just lose to the ones that weren't meant to mm. do that because they didn't yeah. have like the manufacturing fidelity to program or to not program. It's like designed to fall apart on impact. They just stayed solid, and you won every time. Because essentially, if people don't know, like Beyblades are split into three main parts, and mm-hmm. you've got 
the spinning top section at the bottom. Uh, then you've got like a weighted disc, mm-hmm. and then you've got essentially like the the performative plastic piece on the top, which mm-hmm. was the identifier for the Beyblade, and they had like the bit chip in, which is like you know whichever spirit animal they were using in the show yeah. to control the Beyblade and all that. And in the anime, as you mentioned, just a lot of the time for dramatic effect, when the loser lost. They would get hit, and like all three pieces would separate, and it's like, oh no! And they did design later ones to do that, which has made them flimsier. Mm-hmm. Although I, I, I think like Beyblades, it's probably like, I bet Beyblades are like Nerf guns, and that in that, if do when you go look at Nerf guns now, and just in the ten fifteen years since you stopped giving a shit, just the technology has progressed way beyond you can imagine. I bet there's Beyblades that could do all sorts of crazy bullshit now. Oh. Oh, you just wait, Carl, because okay. we're going to discover how bullshit they've so that's got the thing, yeah, cause I, I distinctly recall there were Beyblades that could jump by the time I was stopped giving a shit, oh, and that, that alone that was, was crazy enough. a few enough. years in. Yeah. Yeah, that Beyblade was, that technology, was I bet it's just continued. Like, I bet it's like the, the Beyblade arms race. <laughs> um, so the history here we'll just go into briefly. Both the toys and their name were inspired by Begoma, I believe, uh, a traditional spinning top. The introduction of the toy corresponded with the release of Next Generation Begoma Battle Beyblade, released in 1999, with Ultimate Ultimate Frostic Dranza, Spin Dragoon, and Saizo being the thir- first three Beyblades released. Obviously, if I get any of these pronunciations wrong, whatever, but it's interestingly... Ultimate Frostic Dranza and Spin Dragoon both have little links that you can click on, but Sizo doesn't. Which means that which means what? Sizo got fucked off. It, it's like that's the one that never went anywhere. That mm-hmm. was clearly the least marketable one, so they never did anything with it. And I think Ultimate Frostic Dranza and Spin Dragoon may have been the antagonist and protagonists. It sounds like it. Beyblades, yeah. and then the third one was just. Another character's one. The loser um, one, yeah. So I'm glad, because I almost picked Bionicle for this one. Oh, okay. And I'm thinking, like, <laughs> it's, we can only piss off one fan base, so I'm glad it's Beyblade. So, <laughs> so I'll never forget when we talked about Bionicle in a fact theme video once, oh, and yeah. the person I was talking with went, Carl, don't talk shit about Barnacle. It's not worth yeah. it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And it's like, why? It's like, just don't talk shit about Barnacle. Barnacle fans the, are insane. The Bionicle fan base will come for you, Carl. They will, because they've got no Barnacles left. I think they're still going, aren't they? No, they're dead. They're, they're, oh, they're the no. deadest. Oh no. oh, no. I won't mention it. We'll move on. Beyblade was loosely inspired by Pokemon with the protagonist... Uh, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Takao or Tyson and the antagonist Kai being based on the characters of Red and Blue. The thing is, though, what's the most, like, shit, like, Pokemon knockoff toy that they try to make? Like, not knockoff, but do you have a thing like in the wake of Pokemon just dominating the 90s toy market. Because we had Beyblade, and we had, like, Bakugan. Was there anything oh, lower than Bakugan? Clearly, Carl, you mean Digimon, right? Oh, yeah, well, that goes without saying, like, Digimon is the worst anyway. But, like, we what, know it came first, we're yeah. just taking a job. But what we was just... the most embarrassing thing they tried to exist? I think it was Bakugan. Because that was, like, the little balls that pop out, and they never did anything cool. At least Beyblades... Beyblade, you could whip that shit across the house. Mm, I remember yeah. doing a Beyblade on my kitchen floor, and my dog would like, 
Shout out again, to Bakugan. I don't think you want to anger the Bakugan fans either. I can fly. The thing is, the Bakugan fans come at me. What are you going <laughs> to do? They're going to send tiny little capsules at you, like, ah. Yeah, I'll just kick it. Um, but yeah, like, I, I genuinely think that most of them would just like to meet not Pokemon. And I say, mm-hmm. we like to, to make fun of Digimon, but we understand that it came first. And we both enjoyed Digimon as kids. It's not like, you know. Anything like that. But it's we not Pokemon. 14, it never yeah. became what Pokemon would. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because I, I kind of guess in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, I kind of guess I knew it was probably Pokemon Aspire, but I never really sat down and thought about it. Like, It's a thing yeah, from the Japan that's now big. Red mm. and blue with the anime, and then um, the Beyblades had bit chips, which had monsters or, you know... A, I guess monsters and other things eventually. I'm not quite sure. Also a fun um, word to say. They are. And they were just the what represented the fighting spirit of the player. And it would always be in the anime where they'd be like, you know, go spin Dragoon, do your ultimate attack. And they would actually do an ultimate attack. But ultimately, the, they are just spinning tops. Or at least they were just yeah, spinning uh, tops to start with. I'll say I never saw a spin dragoon ever beat my just fucking duct tape together piece <laughs> of shit. So it was just, it was just the weight. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll never forget with me and my brother. Like My mum got so mad. Like the noise, it might be the loudest noise I've ever heard in terms of like, you know, wanting to immediately like stop the noise from happening. So me and my little brother went into the bathroom and played Beyblade in the bath. Oh, and the fucking no. the fucking noise that they made. Like, Holy <laughs> shit! And my mum was like, "What the fuck is that?" So me and my brother like try to grab my Beyblades and like, oh, knock off Beyblades and like, run out the bath. I do remember um, when my dad was selling his like house that was our childhood house. His Beyblades, yeah. But all my Beyblades were in the attic, and he was like, "Do you want to keep all these?" And I was living in like a one bed flat at the time and I had zero space already. I was like, no, don't bother about I haven't thought about my Beyblades in 10 years. Just like, just get rid of it. It's fine. Which, obviously, now that I'm living in a house with plenty of space, I kind of regret. Well, now you've got a dog time, as well. Uh, yeah, exactly. Imagine, like, your dog playing just Beyblade. Chasing around Cade with the Beyblade, like, go. Um, but I remember just like, let me just get them out one last time. So I got out the arena, I got out the Beyblades, like, put a couple together, and, like, my sisters also just like you know played with me for ten minutes and just to satiate mm-hmm. me. I remember walking downstairs and hearing how loud the Beyblades actually were in oh, the yeah. arena, like hitting each other. It's like no wonder my dad got pissed off at me playing these every evening. Yeah. Oh god! It's like they were they were ridiculously loud. They were so loud. That's what I said. We tried to play in the bath and the fucking noise that those bastards Mate. made were just like grinding yeah. on the bottom of the bath. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah, so it says, again, you know, this is all based on Pokemon roughly with the Beyblades essentially mm-hmm. replacing the monsters, and um, yeah, they Hudson produced several Pokemon-like games during the period, and it's why both the game and the toy itself were both following like a similar format, as well as the anime, and it's how to create that Pokemon media franchise, isn't yeah. it, of just... You get the games, the anime, the toys, you got to get them all out so, at the same yeah, time. We talked about Transformers last week. It's a well-worn mm-hmm. path to success. Transformers, yeah. He-Man, GoBots, all that nonsense. Just like You release an anime, or a cartoon, yeah. or a TV show, and then release a toy. 
And a manga, apparently, here. I want to see those boring fucking manga. <laughs> but they made at least the anime that we watched as, you know, a cartoon yeah. as a kid. Like They made that shit quite dynamic and exciting, considering it was just two spinning tops in an arena. Well, I guess do you want to just mention the thing that everyone always talks about when it comes to Beyblade? Like, what's the hypest part of the Beyblade anime? Oh, well, we'll get to that when we talk about the rules of Beyblade. Okay. We'll talk, well, I presume that I'm thinking of the same thing We're as you We're definitely anyway. thinking of the same thing, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it says that the anime television series was released. It was loosely based on the manga. It carried the name Bakuten Shoot Beyblade, which ran between January and December 2001. Okay, so not particularly long-running uh, manga from the sounds of it. Still done. He became yeah. the champion Beyblader. And then the games became tie-ins with the anime from that point onwards. And then in 2001, Hasbro began to sell Beyblade toys internationally under license from and produced by Takara, which presumably when we started getting them. Yeah. Um, and that was with a coordinated country-by-country rollout of localized versions of the TV series, which, again, we also watch. Like, they know what they're doing. Yeah. And um, yeah, it then says the Beyblade toy line went on to be one of the most popular toy lines in the world from 2000 to 2005, and as as of 2005, had sold over 100 million units worldwide. What happened if we stuck all 100 million together? <laughs> like if we made like a four mile tall Beyblade, how many? Like how big would the launcher have to be? I don't know. Here's the thing: to though. combine 100 million. Units of Beyblades. I've just got an idea now. Let's go. Do you know, like people go like skateboarding in like an abandoned swimming pool? Hmm. You can probably see where I'm going with this. Let's go get a hundred Beyblades and just find some like abandoned skate park mm-hmm. and just get get the Beyblades, the ultimate Beyblade match. So that needs to be just if we ever come up with like a fan meetup, is everybody bringing one Beyblade to an abandoned skate park somewhere? Well, I still want to do that thing, like the that f- amazing video of like it's called like <laughs> Forbidden Beyblade, and it's like they cover the like a metal bowl or a frying pan in like oh no pet, like oil, set it on fire, and then Beyblade in the fire. <laughs> it's like that's the real shit. Oh, I think they're doing like dear. a walk or something like that. God, that's that's one way to quickly destroy your walk, isn't it? That's right, it's non-stick. I mean, you get rid of all that nice layer on the top. It becomes a very sticky walk. Very fast. But I do remember as well, just, I love the fact that it's talking here about all the types of Beyblades, and it's like, Beyblades were categorised as attack, endurance, combination, or survival types. And then the hybrid wheel system was introduced where the combination endurance and survival types were renamed as balance, defense, and stamina types, respectively. Mm-hmm. Like these shit, the boxes of these would tell you like what the type was. They would tell you like if they had any special function, they had stats on them. Yeah. They'd like attack stats and defense stats. And, and it was shit. all like, bullshit because it was all based on which kid was strongest. Because I don't care how I mean, good your Beyblade was, if you can't rip that like rip cord out at a thousand mm. rpm like, i remember once yeah. like when like my dad or my older brother did it and he just <laughs> absolutely fucking annihilated us because obviously it goes so much faster it's based entirely mm. on how fast it's spinning ultimately that's the only thing that matters and you can't make it spin faster than an adult can just go 
Whoa. <laughs> and a lot of it is obviously just elements of like look and mm-hmm. what kind of Beyblade, like especially the like the very tip of the spinning point, you got like ones that were like flatter, which I think were like the defense ones or something. Yeah. So that when they got hit, they were less likely to just wobble and stuff. But yeah, a lot of it was just, oh, either one of them could randomly just hit in the right way where they just spin off. And- yeah, and some of them had like weight, they had different weightings, so some would wobble, like mm-hmm. specifically, like, you know, you put like, you know, their off weight slightly. So when they go in, they don't spin directly in the middle, they'd like wobble and move around the arena. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll get onto some of the extra additions they made later down the line. But first, Beyblade Gun, let's yeah. go. We we talk about the rules, Carl. The rules and were just fuck you, I win. No, 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 the, the, they was... were not, Carl. Okay, so what are the rules of Beyblade? Let me know. Go on. So I so, never played the official rules. I just played fuck um, it, just spin until one flight falls over. This is under the game rules. This is the first one. So it says, note that these are the rules for the Metal Saga era of Beyblade. Which I'm just going to keep it as simple as possible. This is the first rule set, as far as I'm aware, for okay. Beyblade. And then they have a bunch of other like you know, rules for later on and stuff. But mm-hmm. the goal is to be the first player to score seven points or more, which, no, I, I don't think I ever worked with a so- fucking score point system. No, it's until you like whoever just gives up. But, Carl, How to Battle has three things in it, and I okay. think maybe number one is the most important, because it says that both players must begin with the signal. Three, two, one, let it rip! Does that mean... Or in, in it, brackets, go shoot. Does that mean in an official tournament, if you didn't say let it rip, you lose points? I guess so, because like it says here, under the rules of how to battle, players begin with the signal, yeah. 3, 2, 1, let it rip. Because would that not in, fall? Well, in full capitals, exclamation point. Does that mean, because that's a rule, not like mm-hmm. a um, uh, just uh, element of sportsmanship. So like, for example... It is not against the rules in sport to shake your opponent's hand. It's considered mm-hmm. bad sportsmanship not to do that. But if they made it a rule and you didn't, that's kind of crazy. Because that means like, if you wanted to be an absolute arsehole and they didn't say let it rip every time, you could fuck <laughs> over your opponent. And I, this is obviously just according to BeybladeFandom.com. So take everything here with a grain of salt. This might not be... Like, be I want to trust Beyblade fandom is. to know what Beyblade but, rules are. Yeah, exactly. They they know better than we do. Um. So at that point, at the signal, both players launch their bays into the base stadium. And then you get one launch per battle, and the battle ends when one bay stops spinning. And we've got the scoring here. Was they con- what constitutes stop spinning? Yeah, well, there's multiple ways they constitute not stop, okay, not spinning anymore. So, if your top spins longer than your opponent, you score one point. This is called a sleep out. If you touch your opponent during their launch, your opponent scores one point. So basically, you can't fuck around with them launching their Beyblade. Okay, so you can't just like slap them as they do it. Mm-hmm. Again, this is um, one of those things where it's only a rule because I guarantee there's a tournament where someone realised, well, it's not against the rules to so just push you over as you try and do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you don't launch your bay successfully into the stadium, you lose one point. If your bay gets trapped in a penalty pocket, your opponent scores two points. Oh, those little like, presume, bubbles on the outskirts, yeah. I presume they would be the, the little traps on the outside, mm-hmm. yes. And then if you touch the stadium during battle, your opponent scores three points and the battle is immediately over. Which, if you were up 4 yeah, 0, means just do that. that realistically you could just grab the stadium and win. Yeah. 
Which again, um, I guarantee you, if there's an official, there's presumably there must have been official source. Someone must have done that and been very annoying. And then complete competes in multiple battles until one player scores seven or more points. Okay, so the battle would be over, but it's you still continue multiple battles. Okay, so, so that's not an easy way to win. Okay, no, perfect. So yeah, it's not the golden snitch in Quidditch where the moment like. You could win via this amount of points and end the game. It's yeah. like, no, no, no. It keeps going. So that's what the basic battle rules are. But was that what you were thinking, Carl, when you were talking about the most hype thing? Is like the three, two, one, let it rip? Let it, well, I was, no, the most hype thing in the anime is when Moses split the Red Sea using a Beyblade. I forgot. I forget. You, how do you forget that it's Beyblade <laughs> I cannon? I don't know. That is Moses part of the Red Sea with his Beyblade. It is official Beyblade canon that, yeah, Moses split the Red Sea via Beyblade. Yeah. Well, that's how we did it in our world, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't see how else you'd part the Red Sea without a Beyblade. Like, without, like, fucking Spin Dragoon, whatever it's called. So, I... It has a, a, a heading here of, like, systems. Okay. And we'll go through the basic system, and then I will... Go quickly through what other systems they've added over time, but I am just scrolling and scrolling. They have added a bunch of bullshit. Of course there is. It's Beyblade. Of course. It's been going for 20 plus years. It's like, of course, they've had to keep adding more and more power creep to keep people interested. How do you power creep a spin top? Like, does one of them, like I said, does one of them just have a gun on it? Do you have, like, battery-powered Beyblades now or something? Oh, you had those when I was still playing Beyblades. Battery-powered ones? Uh, like, RC ones, yeah. I never <laughs> knew about that. <laughs> yeah. That's horrifying. Oh, dear. So, um, we'll talk about the basic system. Um, so the basic system is just, like, uh, Pure what I mentioned earlier. Is just you've got the bit chip, which is the decorative plate mm. that is inserted into the attack ring of the Beyblade, adorned with a small icon of the bit beast. In the anime, these creatures' souls were actually housed in the Beyblades themselves. It's got a suck on it. Imagine being a dragon. It's like, what, what, what's my destiny? <laughs> You're trapped inside a child's toy. The legendary Glacier Dragoon. And it's like, yeah, you're a spinning top. What? Yeah. Spin. Um, then you have the attack ring, which is the, the top of the three layers that I mentioned earlier. Mm. It determines the blade's effect when it impacts against its opponents, as this is the, normally the first part to come in contact with the opposing blade. Then you have the weight disc, which affects the power and speed of mm -hmm. the Beyblade, which Carl just sets a maximum. Always there. <laughs> and then the blade base, which determines the direction of the Beyblade's rotation, either clockwise or counterclockwise. Um... And then the tip determines how the Beyblade spins, but also affects its movement pattern. The performance tip can be attached to the blade base. Um, I'm just expecting it's going to be like, do you like Call of Duty? Like mm -hmm. all these extra attachments and sh like laser sights and all that bollocks on it. So we're going to get into all our laser sights. So the first one is the MagnaCore system. Fuck's the And I'm just going to give a brief, quick read of like no, let me what get, each one says. Does it have a magnet um, in not, it and it's like, oh, it attracts your Beyblade towards the opponent because it's got a magnet. So it, even though yeah, it features uh, magnetic spin gears and weight discs to attract or repel blades from one another. Uh, you could also purchase magnets that were put in the bottom of the base stadium, which affected the movement patterns of the Beyblade. So it was magnetic and you could place 
little magnets underneath so that the magnet would then keep your Beyblade in place on a certain part of the stadium. There's no way those magnets were strong enough to actually do anything. Well, they were strong enough to keep it in place, but then not strong enough where when it got struck by the other Beyblade, it would stay in place. I mean, like, the ones that you put inside your Beyblade, because I'm just picturing, like, if you've got, like, an electromagnet and your Beyblade's like... <laughs> like a fucking shield. Um, so I presume this is the one which I was referring to earlier. Um, the engine gear tops. Um, so each engine gear includes a turbo winder to wind up the engine core. Uh, when in action, the blade base releases the engine gear determined by the blade base clutch lock system, and they were the last of the made, and they were the last ones to be made of plastic parts, with the exception of the weight discs. The rest after this were semi-metal or completely metal Beyblades. That's um, so, dangerous, then. Yeah, it's like the early a, ones were like so light, and like they they hurt a little bit if you got hit by them, but not as much as like a mag. A magnetic engine propelled fully metal Beyblade coming straight at your face. Jesus. I'm just now picturing someone like John, like um, uh, a lathe or something, like just like sharpening the edge of their Beyblade. Like, <laughs> well, did you ever have that? No. Like, I, I remember there were kids that would come into school and they'd like fashion their Beyblade things into like knives. I never saw anyone do that, but like I said I had the weighted one. Like mine was just like washers mm-hmm. from my dad's shed, like super glued or duct taped together, and that was basically indestructible. Like we had kids come into school and be like, I, you know, like my older brother or my dad or whatever is like, fashion this into like an actual weapon in the middle of my base. Just put razor blades on it, or some shit. Uh, shit like that, literally, yeah. And, like, just soldered fucking razor blades to the bay plates and stuff. It's terrifying. Spin to win, baby. Spin to win. Um, so the engine gear types here, we quickly just have engine gear, turbo engine gear, reverse gear, or gyro engine gear. I remember the reverse ones of, like, weren't they, like, they changed direction, which just, to me, sounds like a terrible idea, because that's momentum. The rules Because momen- surely you're reversing the momentum that your Beyblade already has. Yeah, it's like so much easier to keep something spinning than it is to completely reverse its direction. Mm-hmm. Just sounds like an absolute waste of like all the power and stuff. Again, like the bay, the blade base types for the engine gears are like instant release or first clutch system, steady release system, hit release mm-hmm. or final clutch, and middle clutch. Beyblades got so complicated so quick. And I guarantee you. The best one is still the, like, you know, just heavy as fuck, middle of the arena. Mm. I guarantee um, you. Well, that's maybe what this next one is, which is the Beyblade HMS, the hard metal system. And they are a line of Beyblade toys released after the engine gear line. Um, and this series, unlike ones of the past, uses smaller pieces mostly made of metal. Mm-hmm. They have a distinct advantage over previously released Beyblades that begin their spin velocities. Oh, that being their spin velocities are one and a half to two times faster. And they're purely made like of metal, basically. Mm-hmm. There's no weakness. Um, and then there's oh my god, then there's the metal system. Like where's like just the absolute I want like that's what the Beyblade should be like, oh I've got like the spin panzer dragoon ultimate mega clutch dragon monster. It's like well I've got the absolute unit. Well, we're going to the hybrid wheel system. 
the Extreme Top System or XTS for sure. Like, I'm just gonna look up Beyblade 2023 and see the, what comes the up. The 4D system, the Synchrome system, and the Burst system. So um, I've just googled Beyblade 2023. Oh my God! There's one here called the Wait, what's this? The best Beyblades of 2023's ranked season. What? <laughs> what? And it's got like the Ashura, and it's got like, oh my god, it looks like a fucking talisman from Jackie Chan Adventures or some shit. Beyblade the Ashura. No, because it's actually owned by a guy. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like this is, is that like the, it says owner. Oh, okay, it's the guy in the anime. I thought this was like an actual tournament, and it's like the name of a dude who won a tournament. <laughs> it's a dude from the anime, I think. Right. I th- I, I hope. I I think I mean, so. Okay, yeah, it's the guy the- from the anime. Okay, because it's like it sounds like a guy's actual name. I'm like, is this the guy who's super fucking good at Beyblade? Mm. I know um, that. Beyblades, for the most part, I believe, like, you know, they still look the same when I look in them now, and, mm-hmm. like, they don't look ridiculous, but I did see um, one thing where it's, like, one of the newest gimmicks they have is mm-hmm. arenas, where the entire wall of the arena is um, essentially got gear picks all over them. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. So, like, the Beyblade is the gear cog that then gets clipped into the the arena, and then gets sent around speeding up on the, like, cog wall, mm-hmm. like, the gear wall, and then gets flung back into the middle of the arena. Oh, mate. It's, like, it's just so funny how crazy these things get, and, it, I, you know, it's just one of those things of, it does make sense because they need to keep innovating, and they need to keep adding new things on, because otherwise you know, Beyblades are just going to I guess vaguely just fade into the background because kids don't care. There's no new gimmick. Like they do, but mate, I've I've got some bad news for you. Oh, no. The World Championship Beyblading was on June 25th. Oh, this year we've missed out. We missed it. We missed it. I'm on the it. website now. It says we can like we can apply early bird registration for 2024. <laughs> Should we go? Should we train for the year? Can look. this be our training? Let's have a look. Media, cover the event, record battles and do interviews. Let's go. I'll apply for a media pass for the Beyblade <laughs> Let's have a look. Is it on? It's called the Beyblade World Championship. It says 23rd and 25th of June. Hmm. But the, it just happened. Yeah. Which means location. They probably yet. just... Yeah, they might not have updated the site or anything yet, maybe. Well, they have to do, because the event just happened. I want 2024. Yeah, they're probably, like, taking a week off. They've just had a successful... Fair, yeah, they've just had a really big tournament, haven't they? They've just had a big tournament, yeah. Let's have a look. Five... How are we getting into... How are we getting into Beyblade World we Championships might have to, mate, 2024? where's the Beyblade World Championship? Um, part of a tournament in Washington. As it as in America, Washington. Washington, right? yeah, July eighth. You want us to go to America for Beyblade competition? It's unranked, so we could join. <laughs> Let's have a look. See all tournaments. There's one in the UK. There's a lot in America. Is there a UK based one. I don't fancy flying 
you know, 16-hour round trip to go to a Beyblade tournament. They're all in America, it looks like. Um, There's only Singapore. That's, this is our fault, Carl. Let's have a look. We never supported the Beyblade tournament. We never did, did we? I mean, I did actually win a Beyblade tournament as a kid. But, did you? you know, I haven't... Yeah, just a local one. It was nothing. But I, I still remember um, because I, you know, just used a stock basic Beyblade, mm-hmm. won the tournament... And then my prize for winning the tournament was a Beyblade. But you already had the best Beyblade. And it was the Beyblade that I used in the tournament. So now I got two. It was just like, great, I just got this. I I just got a copy of my winning Beyblade. I'm looking. I think there are still Beyblades in 2020. Beyblade 2023 UK. Let's have a look. (laughs) Time to get serious. Oh, that's from 2022. uh, 2023. Oh, no. So it looks like, you know... No, we need to look for 2024, Carl. Well, here's the thing, though, Lucas. We need to put fucking England on the map. Because it looks like America's, like, fucking leading the way in Beyblade. I'm not happy about this. The Beyblade so, World Cup 2023, March. What's going on? Well, you need to look for 2024, Carl. Clearly the, clearly, the season of Beyblade Championships has come and gone. It is. Like, we, we must have missed, like, the, the tournament season. <laughs> and you're getting next year. Oh, mate, regionals are open to everyone, bladers and spectators alike. We need to go next year. Like, next, here's the thing, next year, instead of going to Comic-Con or any bollocks like that, can we go to like, the Beyblade World Championships? And just like stomp on some kids' Beyblade. Well, that's the thing. I want to show you a picture of Is Here's the world champion, Lucas. This is the, <laughs> <laughs> the world champion's an eight-year-old. <laughs> we can take him. We, I can, the thing is, I bet he's really good. Yeah, I bet that kid is real fucking good. It's just his little kid, Jai Shindra. He's got a he's got an attack stat of ninety. Oh no! I, the thing is, I don't want to meet an eight year old that's got an attack stat of eighty or ninety. <laughs> that kid sounds terrifying. I'm serious. Should we go with this? I'm, I'm tempted. You don't like 2024? Do you want to go to a Beyblade World Championships? I want to go fight some eight year olds. So that sounds like a thing of like. You'd think it'd be like folded into like a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament or something. You think they'd do like a mm-hmm. big Yu-Gi-Oh Pokemon Beyblade? Yeah, yeah. Pres- presumably, there's like a bunch of like side tournaments for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd go to something like this. It's like a right laugh. Like you know, just buy like a ten quid one. Like buy one from like the shop outside and just going like, yeah, fuck <laughs> it, I'll play Beyblade. Get some razor blades, solder them on. <laughs> what you do is have me going in with a beer in my hand. I'm like, yeah! <laughs> Just every time you win, do a shot and be like, oh, come on, join in. No, what kids. I do is I spin. I hold my hands out <laughs> and I spin as my Beyblade spins. Uh, it's not like so that time I went you... to like, there was a, a te- it was like Tekken 5 tournament. Like yeah. some bullshit thing. And I went in and like there was a guy there who took it so seriously. Oh, yeah. And I just picked like Dragnov and just did his 50 50 mix up four times in a row. Paused it as I was about to win. Just went, I'm sorry, but I'm too good and walked off. And he like went up to me, like, I won because he paused the game. It's like, yeah, let that guy win. Like, that's the guy who deserves to win because he's going to bitch and moan about it if he doesn't. If you can promise me that you'll get hype at a Beyblade tournament, Mate, Carl, I'm, I'm tempted to go. I think what we should do is we should make it like a sponsor goal. <laughs> We should reach out to him and say, hey, do you want to sponsor an episode of our podcast? 
And then just can you imagine, just in a couple of weeks' time, this podcast is sponsored by the Beyblade World Championship. <laughs> Register interest now. Oh, dear. I think we should. I think we should. I think we should show up and just be the only two fully grown adults playing. Mate, you playing know a bit, like, we're not going to be the only two fully grown adults there. We're going to be the only two fully grown adults there with our ironically. Are we going ironically, Carl? Are we really? It depends how hype I get. Depends if I win. <laughs> Carl will be that ironically until he wins the tournament. Until I win, yeah. Until he beats these eight-year-olds down with Beyblades. I could beat an eight-year-old. No, I don't know if you can, though. That's the thing. How much do they train at Beyblades, Carl? Not enough. How much upper, how much upper body strength can an eight-year-old have? <laughs> I've got to do one well, thing they, and it's just seated When they've got rows. an attack start of 90... Must be pretty impressive. Let's do it. If anyone's listening to this host one, and it's in the UK, like if you have like, you know, because there might be someone out there if there's listening who hosts like, you know, a weekly thing, card oh, games Carl. or something like that. If you do that, contact us. Me and Lucas might turn up. Carl, maybe we should do it. That sounds like a lot of work, mate. I'd rather just turn up. I mean, it does sound like yeah. a lot of work. Yeah. Like if, there, if there isn't like an adults only Beyblade tournament in the UK, we should start one. <laughs> we can be the only two people there. We're guaranteed to win. Just do it. No, what we'll do is we'll 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 host the unofficial one, the illegal. Mm. We'll do like street Beyblade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll make Bring the unofficial it back one all the way around. Street Beyblades on the like go. I said. Instead of having any of that official tournament like uh, format shit, it's like no no rules. We'll host it in the parking lot of the official yeah. tournament. <laughs> we'll have like the walk. Get a big walk. Get a bathtub out. Yeah, get like a big old steel bathtub or something like that. Take it into the car park. Like a tailgate party. <laughs> get the beers out. Get the, the bathtub out. Yeah. Do get, some Street Beyblade. Thought we play Street Beyblade now, son. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. No one has their own hype, man. That sounds fun. It does. Let's do it. No, it does. So yeah, I guess. Let us know which wiki won this week. It's fucking Beyblade, mate. Was it the Street Beyblades or was it the, the Beanie Blades? <laughs> the Beanie Beyblade, let's go. I'm voting for the Beyblade Beanie all day. Podcast. So yeah, we uh, we probably won't have a theme next week because we've done a theme on this week, mm-hmm. but I hope you enjoyed Carl and I just talking fun about toys for nearly two hours it's, it's like I, when we knew it was about Beyblade we, <laughs> we got we, lost in we, we know that conversation tonight. will be at least an hour yeah thank you everyone for joining as always let us know which wiki won this week in the comments give us a like and a sub if you're not already done so yeah and just yeah we'll uh, be back next week for more wiki podcasting mm-hmm. cheers everyone <laughs>